Oh, that was wonderful hearing you guys sing. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, sound team, audiovisual. Can we give them a round of applause for that? That was amazing. Thank you, guys. Well, Merry Christmas. I'm so glad you're here. That was fun. I had a ton of fun, and I hope that you're already encouraged by our service. Um, it's been a long time coming to waiting for this Christmas, and it's just around the corner. This is the eve of the Christmas Eve, which reminds me, we have a Christmas Eve service tomorrow night, 6 o'clock here. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you can join us. Um, we've been going through this series called The Miracle of Christmas, which I know sounds a little cliche. I know. It's, everybody talks about miracles around Christmas. It's the miracle of Christmas, but it's been a lot of fun. And um, we have been talking um, about this week, we're going to be talking about the message, which is the miracle of Christmas. And, and without the message of Christmas, there's actually no hope. In Christmas, there's, there's no peace, there's no joy, there's no victory. And the message is what sets Christianity apart from other beliefs. Have you thought about that before? The message of Christmas or the miracle in the message, that's the thing that sets what we do, Christianity, what we believe apart. And you might say, well, what's so special or what's so different about the message that we hear at Christmas um, th th this, this sets the other faiths apart from us? Why is it so different? And the thing that makes this belief so different comes to a head. It comes to a point during the Christmas season. And maybe you don't think of Christmas that way. Maybe you do, but that's really true. The Christmas message represents the thing that is so different and so unique about Christianity. It's a miracle. It's a miracle, and the miracle is the message. And the thing is, is that God has been saying something. He has been saying something for a very, very long time. People even call him the cosmic broken record. It's over and over and over and over. He has been saying something, the same thing over and over and again. And if you listen, if you listen, listen carefully, the message that he has been saying since the beginning of time is the same message we hear during Christmas. So yeah, Christmas is worth getting excited about. It's fun to get excited about the message. The message that God has been saying since the beginning of time is really simple. It's really simple. In fact, it's so simple it's easy to miss. The message is, I miss you. That's his message. I miss you. I miss you. I miss you. I miss you. I miss you and I won't stop till I have you back. I miss you, and I'll stop at nothing to provide a way for you to come home. And that is the message of Christmas. And if you go all the way back to the garden, Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve are in the garden. You guys know the serpent? You guys heard this story? The serpent shows up and says, Eve, why don't you eat some of this fruit? And Eve says, oh, I don't know. It doesn't, you know, God told us not to eat it. And, and the servant says, why? And, and, the ser and Eve says, well, he said that we'll die if we'll eat it. And the first lie was told, and the serpent goes, well, will you really die? Really? I mean, I know him, and he, come on. And, he, and, and the serpent said, listen, if you eat this fruit, you'll be able to tell right from wrong. Wouldn't that be nice? And at this part of the story, you're reading the story, and you're going, yeah, that would be nice. Tell right from wrong. That seems like a good thing, right? Tell right from wrong. That's a good thing. And Eve goes, you know, that, that's a good point. I would like to tell right from wrong, good from evil. And the fruit is delicious looking. <laughs> that helps. 
And so for the first time, Eve decided to do her own thing. Adam was standing right next to her. Than the way that God laid out. Instead of trusting God to tell us what's right and wrong, now we're going to decide for ourselves. And from that point, the message has been going out through all of creation, I miss you. And I can imagine God standing in the garden after he had given Adam and Eve their coverings and had sent them out of the garden. The angels, have you guys read the story? Angels are guarding the garden and, and they can't come back. And I can imagine Adam and Eve walking away and God calling out, I miss you already. Don't worry, I'll provide a way for you to come home someday. Someday you'll get to come home and it's all going to be okay. God has been saying from the very beginning, I miss you, I love you, trust me, I'll give you a way back. And God has given us a Christmas present. And that present, wrapped carefully and placed under the tree, is the way home. It's the way home. How many centuries have gone by? How many times has God told his messengers and his prophets and had them written it down in the scriptures? And I miss you, I miss you, I miss you. And he's given us a way home. And it's, it's a gift that he's given us during the Christmas season, and it reminds us of it during Christmas. You know, this gift is pretty special. This gift has been theorized by a lot of people that this gift is knowledge. And this gift, you open the package and you get the knowledge, and you go, oh, I get it. I'm supposed to live this way. Okay, I'll live this way. And I live this way, and I do all the right things. You know, all the right things. You go to church all the time. You never, you never talk back to your wife when she asks you to take the trash out ever, Right? You never mean, you never tell a lie, you're pretty good. And those, that's the knowledge, that's the gift, isn't it great? God showed you how to get yourself back home. But the problem with that theory is that it vastly underestimates how deep sin goes. You see, sin is way deeper than our behavior and it's way deeper than our motives. And it's way deeper than the control we have on our tongue. It's deep, deep in our core. This gift that God has given us is so much more special than our behavior, than a set of rules to live by. It's so much more special than that. And this gift the Apostle Paul uh, writes about in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and I'm going to read it to you. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, and, and Paul tries desperately to describe the gift. It's sitting under the Christmas tree waiting for you. Verse 8 in chapter 2 of Ephesians, Paul says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, it's, it's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he, God prepared in advance for us to do. It's a gift. And it goes so much deeper into our hearts than our actions and our thoughts do. It goes deep into our soul. And this gift goes past our ability to control it. 
Have you thought about that? Our ability to control our behavior? How tight of a rein do you have on your tongue? That every now and then something slips out. People find out how you really feel eventually. It goes past that. It goes to our very core. And this gift sinks in deep. And the beauty of this gift is it makes everything new. Everything it touches, it makes new. It doesn't just clean you. It doesn't just wash you off and get the dirt off. It actually creates in you a new life. And John describes it as a fountain flowing out of you. This gift creates real life. It creates the life that we were meant to live. The life that Adam and Eve had in the garden. And that gift is deep inside of you when you believe. And it grows and it grows and it grows. John describes it in his gospel, in, the cha- in chapter 3 of his gospel. I, I don't have the words, but it, it's important for you just to listen it's a famous passage. You've probably heard it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not pa- perish but have eternal life. Now listen to this part. For, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world or give the world a bunch of rules or to tell them how to really, really live so they can be clean in and of themselves. No, no, no. He didn't do that. He came to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. That's the gift. And it's so important that we know that God loves the world and gave this gift. It's important that we know the miracle of Christmas is the message of God's love, and that message is culminated in the gift of Jesus. And we can lose it. We can forget about the message. We can get inundated with all the stuff that gets thrown at us, especially in the Christmas season. And all this junk kind of goes our way, and it overwhelms us. But the truth is, is Jesus didn't come to serve he didn't come to, to, to be served, but to serve. Jesus didn't come to condemn, but to save. And you might be sitting in your seat going, yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that. But many, many, many people twist that. And they think Christianity is about a bunch of rules and a certain right way to live. And if you get your ducks in a perfect row, you have followed the instructional map that God has given you to get into heaven. Okay, I do A, and I do A really good, and then I do B, and then I do C, and then I do D. Oh, I messed up. i got to go back to C again. But see, the problem with that is that's me getting into heaven. And the gift is better than that. It's deeper than that. You see, Jesus didn't come to, to show us our guilt. <gasps> it takes a big, deep breath there. He didn't come to show us our guilt. He came to cover our guilt. And that's what he did when he died on the cross and he shed his blood for us. Isaiah, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus, said this about him. He said, Jesus came to bring the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, 
and to release from darkness for the prisoners and to comfort those who mourn. That does not sound like a list of rules. The gift that's so neatly wrapped and packaged for you is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And for the disciples, when they realized this, and and you could argue that the the 12 kind of realized it at different points and then kind of forgot it and then realized it again, and, and then they saw him die and they saw him raise again, and then they were sure, and then they had doubts, and then they thought about it and back and forth and back and forth. But John, one of Jesus' disciples, is struggling in the first part of his gospel to put it into words who Jesus is. And he's grasping at analogies. And he says this in John 1, 4 through 5. In him was life. And that life was, was well, it was the light of mankind. And the, and the light, it's so pure, it's so bright, it's so powerful that it shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. And if you think about what that means for a minute, what kind of light is not overcomable by darkness? It's a powerful light. It's a pure light. And John is saying, yes, this, this gift is like light. And if you've ever been in a room, usually like a cave, where there is virtually no light. A lot of you turn off the lights in your room and, and it's not quite perfectly dark. But if you're in like a cave where there's, there's you know, entrances are way far away and it's dark. And you just flip on a cigarette lighter. Just the flame of that thing just throws shadows everywhere. And it's so powerful can imagine John thinking about this going, Jesus is like, well, he's like light. Here's the problem. You might be with me so far. You're like, yes, that's right. I, I believe Jesus is like that. That's wonderful. And Christmas time comes, and, and maybe you have a few minutes to think about it, and you go, really? Like a, like a manger? Like, like a manger? Stable? virgin birth? Did it, did it really go down like that? Like maybe the disciples got a little creative with the, with the history of what really happened. And the shepherds by night and the angels show up and they tell the shepherds, the shepherds go check it out. Come on. I've been there. I've struggled with that. I've wondered, really did it go down? Like, did it happen that way? Maybe, maybe it's more like a, Jesus is more like a concept, you know? Like, like he's a concept that God sent. Was he really a little baby? If you think that Jesus is coming as a baby is just a, a cute story to tell around Christmas time, or if you think it's just a, just a tradition, can't really be true. This is what happens. This is the risk, okay? So, so you're going to try to get life from somewhere. We were created to live a certain way. We were created to live this pure, unadulterated, garden-style life. And even if you don't believe in Jesus, you long for that life. And you try to, try to find that life. And I've been there, and I know people that try really hard to find this life. They try to find their significance. And try, if you don't really take this seriously... You try to find your significance elsewhere, right? Try to get it from your work, your job, the thing you do for a living, the thing that brings home the bacon. <laughs> and you work really hard, you get that promotion, yeah, 
boss is watching. You know, I'm doing well. Get another promotion, get a bonus. Everything is going well. And then what happens? Uh, stock market crashes, and, and all of a sudden, you, you're demoted, and, and people are getting laid off, and you're not sure if you're going to make it or not. And all of a sudden, your significance that you've put into the thing that you do for a living, the thing that makes you money, starts to crumble. And maybe, maybe it doesn't crumble all the way. Maybe you've never been like totally fired from a job or something like that, but, but maybe it just crumbles a little bit. And whoa, significance kind of gets shaken, right? And that just motivates you to work harder and patch up those cracks and do a better job next time. And the next box sees you a little bit better. And, you, and it's this fight, this constant fight. You're looking for that significance. Or, or here's another one. Maybe, maybe your significance is your family. Maybe, maybe you're, a, you're a mother. And you are so proud of these little angels, right? After all, you birthed them. You worked with them. You love them. They've given every, you've given everything you have to them. And then you're like, ah, here it is. Here's my significance. These beautiful little angels. And then they hit high school. <laughs> right? I hit high school. I, this is how I know this, the, this story. And they come home with like piercings and crazy hair and different ideas. And all of a sudden life is just pandemonium. You see, the thing about family is they, they, they seem to never do what you want them to do when you want them to do it, right? Christmas photos throughout the years. Please don't go looking on the internet. You will find them, and they're scary. You'll see my progression. And that significance starts to crumble. And wow, these people are turning into little adults, and they're making their own decisions, and I, I don't agree with all their decisions. Significance crumbles, and there's little cracks in the foundation. This is what happens when you don't take it's seriously. Maybe it's your bank account you get your significance from. Maybe it's you get it by comparing yourself to other people that aren't quite as good at the thing you like to do. But the problem and the main point is you won't find it. You might try to convince yourself you found it and built a really good defense. But over time, you're going to start to realize that's not my identity. That's not my significance. That's what happens. And it's sad, and it happens every day. People looking for their significance and looking for their significance, and they can't find it. But let's just take a minute and dream about what it would be like. Go with me on this. Everything that you see about Christmas the wreaths on the walls, the lights, the bells, the trees, the smell of the pine in your house. Hopefully, maybe you have a real tree. Maybe you just use the pine scent to make it seem like it's a real tree. Whatever. Everything that you see is Christmassy-ishness, right? That's a word. We're going to go with that. Everything that you see reminds you of the message that God has been saying since the Garden of Eden. I miss you. I miss you. And what, and what if you took it a step further? And it's not just the, the message that, that you are reminded of when you see anything Christmassy, but, but what if it's the reality that there is a gift, and that gift has been perfectly wrapped and placed under the tree with your name on it, and that gift is the way home. That gift is the significance you long for. 
It's the real life that sinks deep into your soul, past your motives, and past your ability to control and manipulate. What if everything about Christmas reminded us of that? I think it would be safe to say that if that were true, it would be the best Christmas ever. (laughs) It would be. So this is what I think we should do. This Christmas, when it comes, whether you're by yourself, which I know some of you are, whether you're surrounded by friends and family, you take a minute to reflect on what was done for you. Just take a minute. I don't care if you've known this fact for 60 years or you've known it for 60 minutes. Take a minute to reflect on what was done for you. Reflect on the fact that the Father had and has so much love for you that he would sacrifice his only son on your behalf just so you could come home again. Reflect on the fact that that this gift, this little package, came as a little baby at the wrong time, at the wrong place, in the middle of nowhere in Bethlehem. And the only people that knew about it were a bunch of smelly shepherds. Dwell on that fact. Reflect on it. That God would do that for you so that you would not have a shadow of a doubt of how much you're loved. And how often do you doubt how much you're loved? Like every day, I doubt it. Every day. Spend some time. Go beyond reflection. Take a few minutes. Pray about it. Maybe you just can't get your head around what God did for you. Or or why it's so special. Or the fact that your life seems to be a wreck. Like a tornado hit your life. And you're going, really, you, you love me that much? I can't get my head around that. Tell him about it. Ask him questions about it. Tell him that you struggle with believing it, if that's true. Talk to him about it. Spend some time telling him what you think. Because if you don't, if you let Christmas be like so many other Christmases that just overwhelm you, with all the busyness and the parties and the stuff and the the packages from Amazon and all the stuff just overwhelms you. If you don't take a minute and reflect, you won't give Jesus a chance to minister to your heart. You won't give him a chance to seep deep inside of you if you let the busyness overwhelm you and you never stop to reflect on the miracle of the message, it'll be a waste. It'll be a waste in your ears. But if you let it seep into your heart and you take that time, if you take a few minutes or take a few more, you can let yourself be overwhelmed with the wonder of Christmas and how special it really is. So no matter who you are or who you're with or if you're going to get what you've been hoping for for Christmas, which if you're an adult, it's way past the the presence. It's like family and friends and connection and relationship. If you're not going to get that, 
let this seep inside of you. Let Christmas remind you of how much you're worth and how much he loves you. Spend some time this season letting the miracle of the message fill you with his joy. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's Christmas has become so industrialized and commercialed. And Lord, it's so hard to, to get down to the very core of what it's about. But Lord, we know that you have a longing for us. And God, I ask that Christmas would remind us of that longing. I ask that Christmas would remind us of the love and the value you've placed on each and every one of us. So much value that your son would sacrifice himself on a cross just so we could come home again. God, I ask that if there's any person in this room who is unsure of the way home, that they would find it in you, that they would find it in your son. God, I ask that if there's pain in this room, there's frustration or, or fear that Christmas is not going to be what, what they hoped it would be, I ask that you would meet that person. And you would grab them by their shoulders and you would tell them how much you love them. And that you have been calling them home since the beginning of time. And Lord, I ask that it would seep deep into their heart and it would start to create everything new again inside. And this Christmas, there would be hope, there would be joy, and Lord, that there would be victory. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you've done on the cross. We thank you for showing up in a little stinky manger. In your name, amen.